hi, hello, welcome to episode 56, which I think is correct, of Trail Society, brought to you by our friends over at Free Trail. I'm Corinne Malcolm. And I'm Keely Henninger. And we think Hillary will be joining us in probably the next 15 minutes or so. We had to kick things off a little bit early so that I can go to bed here in Austria where it is very dark. If you're watching this on YouTube, I kind of look like a gremlin right now in my little tiny apartment room. <laughs> uh-huh. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Keely, people probably have seen that you've torn up your entire front yard on Instagram. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life between uh, major front yard maintenance and med school interviews. Yeah. So I have had two interviews already and I have one tomorrow and then two over the next couple of weeks. So interview season is in full swing, which is exciting. And a couple of them are still on the West coast. So hopefully we get to stay out West. Um, uh, but aside from that, this last four days, we were doing like an ultra marathon of our own. We've worked for like 12 to 13 hours every day on our front yard. Um, we basically had to excavate away like a ton of the front yard because since we moved in the whole yard sloped into the house and every winter, the whole house would just shift. And like, it was so poorly designed. So we regraded a lot of it away from the house into like a path that's like, made out of decomposed granite and then we built in like a french drain that will hopefully like you know all the water will go down there and then be routed to the back of the house but it's a big project jt asked for a tractor for his birthday and i was like i mean he's like yeah if you rent me a tractor then we can do the front yard and i'm like well i guess that's kind of a good trade-off for me but like also you're kind of a sadistic person for wanting that for your birthday so basically his birthday was we worked for four days straight on the house <laughs> and we're just covered in dirt all day long um but we finally finished and now we get to do the fun part of like manicuring the rest of the yard and like putting in landscaping and stuff but that stuff you know we can kind of do over time and not just have to like go hard for four whole days um so yeah that's been my ultra marathon training lately is just been swimming in the hammer and the shovel and all sorts of stuff i love that you've been on a manual labor ultra marathon and i've been on a talking ultra marathon I've got my water nearby in case my voice goes out because yeah I think we did like I don't know it probably spanned like 70 hours of coverage between OCC CCC and UTMB and y'all have heard a lot about it already and we're going to keep diving into it so hopefully you're not sick of UTMB post post recap um podcast quite yet but we're going to definitely be diving into some of that today Kind of first, we got to give a big shout out to AG1 the folks over at AG1 have been with us since the beginning I traveled to Europe with AG1. It's kind of been my, I lived on baguettes and cheese and cured meat for a while. And so having AG1 in the old pack has gone a long way to making me feel like I'm getting some greens in each and every day and taking care of myself. Although I do recommend a cheese and baguette diet for sure. <laughs> and if you would also like to try some of that AG1 powder, you're going to go over to athleticgreens.com slash trail society. And while you're over there with your first order, you're going to get a one year free supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Again, that's over at athleticgreens.com slash trail society. Yeah. But it's also yeah. good for, you know, ultra marathon house projects because we did <laughs> not eat super well, but I at least had some greens every day. I, so yeah, yeah. A little bit of greens goes a long way. Your body will thank you for it later. We've got some cool news this week, some good stuff, some bad stuff, some stuff in between. So kind of Keely, when I went into the, like the layout for this and I saw what you put in there, I was like, oh heck 
Yeah, because many of you will have seen the reel I posted last week. This will come out, I guess, two weeks ago when you guys hear this, um, that I've worked on with Matt Trappy on kind of a, a media project where we united pros from across all as many brands as possible and as many nations represented as possible um, to kind of demand better media coverage um, equally for men and for women. Um, and, you know, that was often, oftentimes, honestly, inspired by many of the DMs we get from listeners about how you can't be what you can't see. So I know we didn't perfectly hit the mark, but I think we did a really good job. And it definitely led to a lot of conversations behind the scenes at UTMB when it came to how we were going to cover the women's race is still not perfect, but I do think that this like continues to like speak to the issue. But I, what I will say, and this is like why the news is so important this week, is that some of the negative comments I've gotten, gotten on that post are from men who chime in, and I'm using air quotes here, say things like, if women want to see their sports covered, maybe women should watch women's sports. Or in air quotes, if women's sports made money, then they would be on TV. And my response to that was like, check your receipts. Okay. Like, have you paid attention to what's going on in women's sports, how they are breaking attendance records and streaming records like left and right. And so some of those receipts that we do, I think, bring you kind of each and every week are included in the news. And so Keely, I'm wondering if you can um, kick us off with some world world cup stuff that fits these receipts. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, when I was creating the news for this week, I had to just like get rid of some stuff or not include stuff because we could have talked this kind of news for like an hour. There's just new stuff coming out every single day, which is awesome. But yeah, in relation to the World Cup, um, the FIFA organization body announced that this year's Women's World Cup generated close to $900 million in revenue, which is the highest income generated from any sport event, only behind last year's Men's World Cup, which is just like amazing. And also kind of on the coattails of women's soccer getting invested invested in so obviously it's showing that if you do give a little bit of money to women's sports it is able to generate money right like it is successful it just needs a little bit of funding to get off the ground yeah it's like if if you invest in it like the viewers will come the athletes will come like if you show more women on tv we get better sponsorship dollars etc it, tr it trickles down in a really big way and i think that, that is missed by some folks out yeah. there and, and like, so more sponsorship dollars makes you a better athlete which will make the sport better yeah like that means that you can invest in your athletics and i mean you look at the women's like pro cycling peloton like peloton and that's why they're like bankers and phds and all sorts of stuff it's like oh like, that's that's an you're an attorney in your spare time like hmm interesting so yeah, I think it's an interesting trend. On that trend, though, was news out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Did you see the photos from this? Yeah, it was wild. It reminded me of Penn State yeah. football games. It's so crazy. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what they set out to do and what they accomplished? Yeah, so they wanted to uh, like set a new world record for a crowd um, for sporting events. And it was a college volleyball game. And they got over 92,000 fans setting a new world record. And I mean, in my mind, they also set just like new precedent for putting that many, you know, like potential future athletes in proximity to current athletes to give them like insight into what they could be someday. And like, aside from the 92,000 fans that came, they got so much publicity, right? Like every news channel that I was looking at was covering this for like the whole week, which is crazy. Yeah. I, I got a DM from a dad who's daughter asked him uh, like basically essentially of like can like can girls do this like can girls like 
do, do girls like play sports? And he's like, are, are girls athletes? And he was like, yeah, of course they are. And she was like, oh, but you never, like, you never watch, we never watch women play, like, we never watch play sports. And he's like, we now watch the WNBA. Like, <laughs> I intentionally, like, watch it with her so that she can see women playing sports. Right. Oh, man. That's wild. But, which yeah, is, I mean, I'm really sure that's cool. very commonplace. I think I grew up in a really, I think I was lucky in the household I grew up because we watched women's sports pretty often, especially women's women's soccer and women's basketball, just because like we were pretty invested in that. And there was like down the street, a woman who I looked up to who went pro in basketball. So it's like, we had people to follow, but I don't think that's the norm. No, that's, that's really cool though. Like my mom was a runner. And so like, and I knew I had been a really fast runner. So I think it was like, I saw that and I saw them like take time out of their day to do it. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's gotta be readily available to the consumer and to the tiny consumers who are your children. Yeah. Um, tell us more about the Australian government and what they announced recently. Yeah, so obviously after the super successful Women's World Cup, um, Australia also reaped the benefits of this. They had a very impressive World Cup. Obviously, the Matildas crushed it. Um, and so in response, kind of the Australian government announced that they're going to invest $200 million into women's sport that, you know, primarily targets soccer, but also delegates a good portion of those funds to other sports to help improve facilities and in increase the availability of different female sporting equipment. Um, and I just think this is so cool that this is the government's response to their women's world cup team, just absolutely crushing it. Um, they see firsthand that women's sport is able to generate income and also generate, you know, viewership and all this stuff when they're invested in. So they're like, cool, we're going to invest even more in it and just start building this from the, the ground up because, you know, building better sporting facilities and increasing the access of female sporting equipment is just going to allow girls and, and younger athletes to do sport earlier and get into it and stay in it. Hopefully. Yeah. That was, really cool that that was like a government initiative mm -hmm. as well which is like I don't know I don't feel like that's happening everywhere no <laughs> no I don't think so For those but, you know, Australia and New Zealand also do a lot of government initiatives around female research as well and mm -hmm. so this isn't shocking to me <laughs> they're kind of paving the way here well also like Ultra Trail Australia and Terraware also have some of the best numbers when it comes to like women involved in okay. trail events as well which is Mm -hmm. there's a trend there there's a there's a country there's a <laughs> some country trends there for sure yes 100 percent. yeah there's actually a really good piece on the free trip website about terrorware that we should maybe link just about like why it's such a good a good event or why like why women are turning up to it which is really cool and then i guess we have to do some less good news involving the new york city Mar marathon pregnancy policy I yeah, i'm really interested to hear your opinion on this well tell us first about it so I think this was a week ago now, but New York City Marathon announced their new pregnancy policy and they announced it in a very like excited fashion, claiming like, oh my gosh, look at our new pregnancy policy. We are taking into account pregnant women or pregnant people. And they're basically just saying that if you do become pregnant during the New York City Marathon and you can no longer participate, you are allowed to defer your entry a year. Um, however, I think the caveat here and what a lot of the backlash around this is, is that they don't waive your fee. They make you pay it again. So you've already paid the entry fee. You can no longer do it because you are, you know, having a child, supporting someone with a child, um, and you still have to pay it again, even though you get to defer your entry, which 
I think it's just missing the mark a little bit, especially when they're trying to get a lot of praise for it because like you're already paying a really high fee to get in and then you can't do it because you're having a baby, which is super financially challenging and also really helpful to make the world turn around. And yet we're making you kind of pay it again. Um, so it feels a little egotistical to me. It's like, oh, but you can still get in, but just give us your money again. Um, and I don't love, I don't love that. I think small step in the right direction, but overall missing the mark, I would say. Yeah, it's not a good deferral policy. No. Yeah, so I met actually by chance, I actually eavesdropped on our conversation outside of Moody's Coffee. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but like, can I talk to you? Like, can I talk to you guys? Like, this is really interesting. I'm working in this space, et cetera. And this woman named Fiona, she lives in the UK and she is the woman who got Boston Marathon to change their pregnancy policy. Mm. And so she's a trail runner. She's a mom. Um, she's amazing. And so I would love to reach out to her and maybe have her on the podcast and and maybe, maybe her and like Sophie Powers together for, from She Races to talk mm. about like what they're doing with major sporting events to get more women on the starting line. That would be awesome. Put them on the list. So, yeah. Add them, add them to the list, but it was super cool and very just like coincidental to, to meet her outside of a coffee shop and be like, hi, like, Gosh, yeah. let, let, let me interrupt your conversation, but I'm very passionate about what you guys are talking about. So Wonderful. hopefully, hopefully have them on at some point, but yeah, I think that's the, the wrap for the news. Did, were, did any races happened this past week or are you aware of any other races that took took place i mean i haven't done any of my due diligence of really digging but i haven't seen any <laughs> yeah the, the mount tam labor day hill climb i think oh, okay maybe that happened a couple of days ago yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um shoot us your yeah. dms if we're missing a race that you guys think you you want us to shout out and we'll put it in the society slam next week or we'll put it in yeah. the race next week yeah but yeah, it right turns now, out we're a bit distracted little distracted. <laughs> I was busy texting Corinne while she's commentating, which is like, you know, not the greatest, but sometimes I couldn't stop. No, it was okay. We did. We had, I'm, I'm a queen at multitasking. It turns out. And I can be in the chat and, and uh, be, you know, be in the chat, be texting Keely, be talking about how cool, like the things that we are witnessing are. And that is what we're going to dive into here in a little bit. Bit. But first, before we do that, we have to give one more big shout out. And that is to our friends over at the feed. I'm in love with the feed. I actually have a big old, a big old, I'm gonna make, I gotta order two boxes here shortly. I gotta cash in, cash in on some feed credit that I'm really excited to spend because I've got another hundred mile race coming up. At least I think a hundred mile race coming up in November. And I gotta get the fueling on track so that I am ready to be a fueling machine come Cape Ultra Town? Trail Cape Town. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, part of me is like maybe 100K, but the big part of me is like probably 100 mile. <laughs> so the feed, right? That's where I'm going to order a bunch of different products because I am I am nutrition agnostic, I would say. And the feed plays into my nutrition agnostic needs. I can try a little bit of everything. I can mix and match. And you too can also mix and match over at www.thefeed.com slash trail society. I was basically a hermit slash on air, I think all of UTMB week. So I did not get to see many of you, but I did meet some of your partners actually while you were racing, um, OCC in particular, whose name esca escapes me, but your husband was very nice and I got a photo and I hope you had so much fun at OCC, but that's a tangent about the feed. Keely, have you ordered anything cool or got anything cool from the feed recently? to go with your landscaping that's going on? 
I haven't put an order in recently, but I've been trying to get a little bit creative too. Just trying new like wholer food. So bars and stuff like that. Um, just as I'm noodling, like what I want to do next too. Um, I just find that like every year, every year after running like Western States, even though I didn't, it didn't go as planned. I still ran a long time and I ate a ton of gels. Um, I feel like I need to grab away, gravitate away from gels for a little bit. So I'm just trying to like explore new stuff right now. Um, and I have a couple girlfriends from home who just got water bottles. And so show us the water bottles. The water bottles are the best. Speak of the devil. <laughs> Haley, we just did our feed ad read. How are you? Oh, good. Uh, what do I have to say about the feed? I ate some waffles this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take them on your bike ride where you saw the goats? Yeah, actually I did. It's like the best. Um, I like make this. It sounds like it's like actually pretty dense, but when you ride up a 14er, which I did on Labor Day, um, like I make like a sandwich with them. They're so good. So you can like have a half of it. Sandwich? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a lot of food, but it's so good. Like halfway through. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. What are you putting in the middle of the waffle sandwich? <clears throat> well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, Corinne. Yes, Keely, half of it, I just cut them into two. Half of it is peanut butter or cashew butter, and the other half is an egg. It's actually really good. Oh, yum. <laughs> Dang, that's some that's serious horrible. on the bike fuel. It's, I know, I'm trying to be like Heather Jackson and have like how many carbs per hour oh, does yeah. she have? Yeah, like 120 or something. Yeah, like, Oof. yeah, a lot. Honestly, cyclists like, can do a lot more than, than runners on the bike. Yeah, the more actually I fuel, the better. Um, the better I feel. So oh, the, and wow. the faster I can go. So, <laughs> but it's, 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 we haven't bit... reached that for two years at all. <laughs> well, I know, not, but... not counterintuitive. No, exactly. But it's like, honestly, like with, uh, on the bike, it's, it's a, it's a lot different. Like I can eat a lot more than, um, than yeah. running. So That's why I love the bike though, is you can eat fun stuff. It's yes. Like, <laughs> don't get palate fatigue. Cause you're like, cool. I have a piece of pizza and I have a muffin. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know it's nice because you might feel a little bit lethargic because like the blood is in your stomach when you first start again after you've like, you know, eaten the sandwich halfway through, but it, it digests pretty quickly. <laughs> You're like, after I ate this foot long hoagie, I felt a little bit funny in the stomach for five or 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> yeah. hell's bells. Okay, go over to thefeed.com, check it out. And again, that's uh, thefeed.com slash trail society where you can get a $15 credit every quarter to put towards your order. So that rhymed in a weird way. Um, go do it <laughs> now, I guess. Um, which brings us to, and I don't know if it's an accident, Keely, but when you put this in the, the outline, it says UTMB meat and bro tatoes. Oh yeah, it was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keely, what do you have to say about the bro tatoes this week? You know, I just feel like the vibe at UTMB was like, it's not bro in a bad sense, but it just felt like such a like club because there was like, everyone was there and I kind of felt like I wasn't part of the club. So it was like, I don't know, bro tatoes felt really, really, um, really necessary. Man, of, I, tell us, I, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I was really just jealous. I wanted to be there. Yeah. I, yeah, feel this, I felt the same way a little bit. Yeah. But. You got the FOMO. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, mine was like, <clears throat> cause I had just, uh, 
you know, we gotten back to running and then I literally broke my toe in like the perfect accident, like walking down the sidewalk. I feel no, so I was wondering how you broke it. I was like, she kicked yeah. a bedpost of, or no, something. Literally, it was kind of like that. Like I was in a sandal, like the sandal was like no. holding the toe in place and like the little toe is hold like out. And I like, like slammed it really hard on concrete and it just broke it. Uh. Like good thing. It wasn't like, it's it, like, I was just really cautious and like, um, like it was a little displaced, but like I was buddy taping it. And like, I just saw the doctor yesterday and it's actually like, it's healing. And it's like, I think I can start running in probably like a week just because like the little toe is not weight bearing as important. It's it's the toe and not the fifth metatarsal. So like, it's okay. But like, I was feeling super bummed because I was like, just getting back and I was going to go to UTMB to do like a soft UTMB and like, use it as training and like to like, and like follow along the racers as they were going to have this like whole idea. And then I was like, you know what, this is like, this is probably not in the best interest, like mentally or physically. (laughs) So I was kind of feeling like Keely a little bit like, like, I don't know. And I bet a lot of people felt like that. I bet most of you listening to this or watching this, you know, we're watching from home or following along from home. And that FOMO is very real, but I hope as I sat in a commentary box that we covered so much of it that you probably got to see more of the race than the people on the ground, um, which is really, really cool. Like our ability to cover these races is getting better and better each year. And the work behind the scenes is insane. And so I hope that you all got to take in, you know, these amazing tearful finish lines and these cool moments between like competitors and friends. Like I, after the fact, got to watch the Zach Miller, Jim Walmsley, like finish where like Zach points at him and then hugs him. After the fact, I saw the like blonde Dean, like did a, like a curtsy bow to mm-hmm. Courtney at the end. Like, let's talk, just talk about like the respect for these people out there. And then the fact that people are out there cheering on, like the folks that even took 46 and a half hours for UTMB as they finally made their way to the finish line Sunday afternoon. So it was it was a wild, crazy week, but I do hope that you all at home got to not feel maybe as much FOMO as you got to follow along and maybe not sleep at all, all weekend, just like me. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't feel like I had negative FOMO. I think brotatoes just sounded funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. go for it. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, it can be brotatoes. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And you know, honestly, like I, the, my, my favorite moment of like, obviously it was so cool. I think like I got over, over the FOMO thing and then just kind of transitioned into just like how inspiring the whole week is of like watching people like crush and, um, like people that I, you know, that I love and respect in the sport, like doing, like, do like having courageous efforts, like whether that was, you know, really good results or, um, you know, just like sticking it out when it wasn't their day. Um, but I think, I don't know. I do think that like, maybe brotatoes, it's about time that like the U.S. men represent, they got on the same level as the U.S. women who've been crushing it at UTMB for years. <laughs> yeah, and, and, huge, and a huge shout out for Jim in yeah. his post-race interview mm-hmm. for, you know, when they said, hey, you're the first American to win this thing. How does that feel? And he was like, hold up. Mm-hmm. I'm just adding my name to the list of American women who have already won this race. And I was like, dang, like having enough composure, you know, after right. 20 hours of running, to form that sentence, like big, big kudos to Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that, that meant a yeah. lot to people as well. Absolutely. So. That was probably my favorite moment of the whole entire UTMB weekend. <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously yeah. like there's the goat and Courtney. And then the other storyline that I thought was really cool too, is like 
besides people pushing through bad days, like I know Amanda Basham went mm-hmm. to the well to get that finish in and picked up Matt Daniels and the two of them finished mm-hmm. together, which is really cool. But we had people like Tony McCann who broke her collarbone earlier this year and came back to racing. We got people like Rachel Drake and another like a, oh, a slew yeah. of other moms like racing back into form and shape. There was one other interesting injury kind of storyline. Oh, whose name escaped? Oh, Zach Miller. Like Zach's yeah. <laughs> kind of like like not injured super recently, but like the dude is back, right? And he kind of mm-hmm. like built up a last year's finish. Um, you know, after like trying to figure out what's going on with his foot for such a long time. It's just it's really cool to see athletes year after year after year over like long careers like have iterations of their career show up at UTMB. Um, Dakota Jones, who ended up on the CCC podium, and we'll go through the whole podium list and tell some of the kind of cool stories in there. But it was like, Dakota's never finished a UTMB race. Like he dropped out, I think in 2011 and 2012. And then the first time he's come back since then is for CCC this year. And he held on for a podium spot. Like there's just some really cool, very inspirational stories throughout all of the, the elite podiums. And obviously the entire field as well. People were fighting for all sorts of things out there. Um, we had a number of adaptive athletes. We had um, mm-hmm. one of the men in the top 10 at CCC is like living with terminal cancer or not living with terminal cancer. He's like, uh, he's living with cancer is how how he'll put it. Um, I think they thought it was like completely terminal a number of years ago, but he's like currently living in remission essentially. But like, you know, he got to talk about that at the finish line. Like there's some cool, some cool storylines, but mm-hmm. I guess, do you think we're ready to, to die? Should we just dive in to mm-hmm. the podiums? Yeah. Well, I feel like Corinne, I feel like you, I kind of want a little bit of background from you first. Cause I feel like you were over there, you were commentating all the races. You had your own kind of goal going in to increase women versus men coverage. Um, can you just like talk us through how you felt that went and how like the commentary piece felt to you and if you felt like there was a difference this year and if so like how do you feel like you played a part in that yeah it's still a fight in a really really big way it was very easy to get the ask to do top 10 women and top 10 men for OCC because that that field the race is a shorter day and those fields are really really tight um so that was like a very easy ask to get pushed through um without CCC moving to its own day, we're unfortunately going to probably not really be able to cover the women's, the back part of the women's top 10 very well. I'm a huge proponent of CCC moving to Thursday and getting its own day of coverage. And then UTMB starting Friday evening, like it historically has, because I think that would allow us to actually respect and see the end of that race. Because as soon as UTMB starts, the end of that race really gets gobbled up in UTMB coverage. Um, and then it's still a battleground for UTMB coverage, broadly speaking. There was definitely support in the media room, including from my two co-commentators, Martin and Keith. Um, like if I stepped out, I knew that they were going to have my back and they were going to be fighting, fighting for it just like I was. Um, but you know, ultimately what ended up happening at the end of the weekend was Saturday night, Keith and I were the only ones left in the studio to cover the back part of the women's top 10. Like I think the Spanish mm-hmm. channel stayed on through Maiti's finish because she was fifth. Mm-hmm. Most people finished after like three or four, generally speaking. Like the French team, I think, started celebrating around like the third or fourth place female. Um, yeah, and literally everyone left. It was just Keith and I in the studio. Mm-hmm. No tech team, no other commentators, just a bottle of champagne from Jason Coop and Keith and I behind the mics. And it was, I mean, it was really special because we joked that we were UTMB after dark and that we were <laughs> like you know, like things, things got kind of funny and like, we had a really good time with people in the chat and I encourage people to stay on and, and watch 
um, because I think that it's a minimum threshold to to tell these women that their race matters the same. It's a minimum. I wasn't going above and beyond for anyone, right? Like what I did was not above and beyond. It was the minimum those women deserved to be told that their race mattered just as much as the men's top 10. It was like, it was, it was the minimum. It was not above and beyond. It was the minimum respect they deserved. And so Keith and I were in there. We, I mean, we finished at like 9 30 PM. It's not like we were pulling an all nighter. Um, the women's top 10 was amazing, including getting to cheer in like Leah Yingling and Sabrina Stanley in eighth and ninth. And then Lucy Bartholomew in 10th. Like it was awesome. So yeah. I think that there's still a ways to go given that like that was indeed what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also going to run a post-race audit kind of looking at it minute to minute and also kind of quality, like where we missed the women's field, but saw the men's field, et cetera. Um, but kind of look at a minute to minute audit of the whole race weekend and see where we're coming up short and where we did really well. Cause I don't think we totally missed the mark. Um, I think based on when you tuned in, you saw maybe more of the women's race and the men's race, more of the men's race and the women's race. Um, but yeah, there's some simple things like allocating teams better to cover those races, et cetera. Um, they did bring on more staff this year for the first time in the field. We did lose an e-biker during OCC because he fell and broke his arm in three places. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it was just like, it, it was. it's getting better, but we still, we there's still a fight to be had. Um, and I'm excited to work with, I think um, we'll have a meeting with UTMB in a couple of weeks um, with like Sophie Powers and folks um, to kind of go on with like very specific asks. And so I'm going to try to run an audit in the next 10 days or so to look at those numbers, just because I think it's important that we understand like what the actual breakdown was versus what we felt the breakdown was. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was incredible, but yeah, I was definitely, I cried at one point cause I was frustrated. Uh, some of you probably heard me swear on air with Martin when we thought we were cutting to an image of the women and said we cut to a replay. Um, you guys definitely heard us swear. I think I threatened to burn the studio down at one point on live coverage. So it was not without its own battle. You got a shout out from Laura McGreen too. <laughs> yeah, I loved, I love that. She's like, come, come to watch the race, stay for Corinne threatening people's lives. Um, you know, I'm impassioned and I think that that is part of my role in the sport is that I have a platform and a voice and um yeah and people standing behind me so we'll hopefully get better and better every year but yeah we we did we did a lot this week and we'll see what happens in 2024 yeah Yeah, super excited um cool and a lot of people shouted out trail society in the chat which is so cool nice Um, yeah but okay let's get into the nitty-gritty let's start with occ the 55k um fire straight fire okay (laughs) Straight fire. Yeah. Tony McCann, uh, my teammate, South African. Um, she, this is her third time in OCC. I Mm. think she was maybe 14th or 11th her first year and then fifth and then won it this year. Cool. Um, she won the Transvolcania marathon this, um, spring to get her spot in OCC and uh kind of had a niggle so opted to sit out of world and then fell and broke her collarbone for like the fourth time i think um oh. mount on a mountain bike spectating and crewing worlds so she's been on a bike trainer for much of the summer um which i think was a little bit nerve-wracking but ultimately paid off in a big way and she's walking away as the occ champion and hopefully just over the moon about it mm-hmm. but that's yeah. something i also wanted to like 
when you said like some injury stories, right? I think it's also, we get so caught up. I mean, I've had this obviously too, because I've had to spend a lot of time cross training and you actually like, I know Zach, he used to have like have a lot of trouble just running all the time. And he's really embraced cross-country ski, skate skiing, like cross-country skiing, um, the bike. And especially with, you know, like Tony doing that too. I think there's can be a lot of like positive things that it can show us that what you're so capable of. I even remember like Jim Wamsley winning Western States after spending a lot of time on a bike as well. So yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad training whatsoever. <laughs> um, but better yeah, there's like huge, huge props to Tony. What was that? I said it's way better than the alternative, which is just running too much and breaking yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And then I guess a second on the podium, Katie Scheid. Oh. Yeah. UTMB 2022 champion, Western State second place finisher. Like she didn't, she didn't owe anyone anything. She didn't have to be on the OCC start line. Like what a baller. <laughs> I know. Just such a well-executed race. Mm-hmm. I also love how frank, like how open she is. Like at the end, she's like, Yeah, I was out here to try to win, of course. And like just <laughs> that is just so refreshing. Cause I think, you know, up until recently, women weren't super overtly confident in their abilities or even like willing to admit their goals beforehand. Right. And so I think it's just so admirable for her to be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've notoriously crushed these longer races in the past but I also like wanted to hold myself to this high standard here too and like hey it kind of paid off yeah it was super super cool and she should be super just like elated with that performance Um, and she was chased down at the end like it was was close (laughs) I I was messaging with her and she was like oh it's that moment when you regret not taking your last gel 10 minutes (laughs) before the finish line Dang it. So note to self, Katie Shad says, oh, even if you it. only have 10 minutes to the finish, you take that gel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, watching her look back over her shoulder going over <sighs> the metal bridge. And I was like, oh, Katie, you got to go. You got to <laughs> go, girl. And she did. She, she held off. Yow, meow, meow. Wow. Chinese athlete who's been around the sport for a hot second. Uh, former CCC champion. Moved wow. up to UTMB and kind of like struggled at that distance. Um, but is back on the Golden Trail Series this year. And I'm so stoked to see her mixing it back up in these short distance races because I think it really fits her her skill set and her strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Like, yeah, it's maybe it, it might even just be like she realized that she didn't want to do UTMB quite yet or just go back and try these other shorter distances again. But yeah, super cool seeing her race the short stuff and just absolutely crush them. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think it's like it's really cool to see Yam Yam, but also like Katie Shad too. It's like you like. I think we're getting into like your spec, like a race distance specificity, but it's really cool to be able to see how it translates. If you can kind of shift your blocks of training, right? Like Katie was really, um, you know, open with her training, how it was different. Right. And I like follow her on Strava and she's like, oh yeah, like tasting pennies on these runs. Like it's really different than like her training up into, you know, like Western States. So I think it can maybe give people more confidence to try different distances. Like they don't just have to be, um, like a hundred miles specialist or like in yeah. the one thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that too. I think that's really like probably good to practice actually, like to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And then obviously, <laughs> Keely, do you want to shout out our our favorite sixth place finisher of all time? Uh, we got Rachel Drake going in yeah. six. I was just so proud to see her execute this race so well. Mm-hmm. And like so cool to see her European journey where she was building to this point the whole time, right? And like throwing in other European races to really challenge herself, but also with this end goal in mind, she just completely executed it. And it was so cool. And 
watching her training has also been awesome because she's been having to figure out what mileage looks like with her body being postpartum. And it like looks different than it, it used to. And she's realizing that like, that's okay. And she can't force like a certain mileage or a certain intensity or a certain amount of elevation gain on her body, but she needs to like, you know, work with it. And if she stays within those bounds, her body stays feeling okay. And then she's able to execute a race like this, which is just so cool. And so very proud of her. Yeah, oh <laughs> that's the she, only thing I wanted to say about that. And it is maybe getting ahead of myself, but um that was the other moment that kind of like made me cry was or, like tears to my eyes. Is like seeing Rachel finish then at that and then like having her and like their whole family together, you know, like on the finish line of UTMB <laughs> to see Tyler come in. Like that was <laughs> that was just seeing like Tyler lose it. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like tears forever. And another part of Rachel finishing that was super cool was that she ran into the arms of Daniela, the German athlete, who's a mama too, um, who finished uh, right in front of her. She's got, I looked like a baby, probably the same age as Lou or so at the finish line. And I was like, oh my God, the moms are crushing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So super, super huge shout outs to the women's OCC field. Moving on to the men's OCC field talking about mom power and talk about dad strength a little bit and see on anger moon who was super patient and actually was running like sitting back behind like caitlin fielder and people and women at the start before moving his way up um to kind of take complete control over the race in the back half um mm-hmm. but he actually stepped away from racing last year like in a, in a way because his he and his wife welcomed their first child to their family and he wanted to be, you know, present and didn't want to be traveling too much. And so and I think his wife's pregnant and they're due like due like this fall with their second child, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, so like Steon, young dad, back to back world champ, like showing up at OCC and having a good day, what like made me really, really happy to see for him. Mm-hmm. And wait, he was the first one to finish under five. No, under f- no, the oh. OCC was short by like three or four kilometers oh, okay. this year. So okay. Cannot those times cannot compare. Yeah, they they ran well under five hours. It was super fast. But yeah. this short, this course had some bigger changes. The UTMB course and CCC, we can talk about that more. Those changes were basically non a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but for C OCC, it was like a it was like three to four K short. So um those times aren't comparable, but they ran mega fast. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, but I think behind him, Francesco Pupi, he ran a really strong climb up to La Flagere to move into second place, kind of dropping Robbie Simpson and Jeshurun Small, who he'd come in a little, in a little group with. Um, and for him, I think this was really cool to see him bounce back. He had a really disappointing finish at Sears and all just a couple of weeks ago. And to mentally be like putting himself back out there on the line. This is his first OCC, his first race over the 50, 50K distance. Um, he ran, has run, I think one other 50 K and that was Lavaredo earlier this summer. So like new to this length of distance and he seemed to just run a really smart, strong race Mm -hmm. and talk about like being the world's nicest guy. I know (laughs) part of the pro trail run association too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A huge part of it. He's, he's a really, really important member of that group. So cool. Super, super stoked for him. Yeah. And then third place kind of nowhere. Yeah, and Martin called this actually, like in the commentating booth that morning. He's like Antonio. Antonio's gonna do it. He's like Antonio. Hmm. We won't have seen him at all. And then like in the final 10k, it's gonna be Antonio. Wow. Um, and that's basically what happened. He ran the fastest back half of the race course in a massive way. 
Wow. Got it. Super yeah. cool. And I think it's a kind of cool to see, especially like, you know, like uh, Steon and, um, and like, then the third place finisher, literally, I'm just like blanking on saying for you just said it. Um, Antonio. Antonio. I was going to say Anthony. Antonio. Um, but like how even in a 55K that's like blazing fast, you don't have to be leading from the gun. Like you could still have some pretty good races if you like, if you pace yourself. It's like, I think it's really cool, even in these these shorter, faster things. Yeah. Like people had to take some risks and make, and like mm-hmm. then some chances out there, I think, to go for the win. But yeah, they still had to execute. Really smart days. CCC was also just blazing fast times, blazing fast athletes. John Albin finally got the win here. Well, the win in CCC here. He finished second mm-hmm. last year to his good training partner, Petter Engdahl. Um, but he, I think he won OCC in 2021 um, in like a three-way duel between him, Robbie Simpson, and Petter. Um, but yeah, just a really, really strong contender. And it sounds like he is waiting for his wife to decide if he's going to take the golden ticket to Western States. Ooh, his wife to decide. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a family affair. <laughs> yeah. So I was really, really sad to see that. Seeing him at Western States. Right. Yeah. I think it suits him. He doesn't like the heat, like in a big way. Um, but he'd be really good in that terrain. And he's such a like a smart, clever racer. And he's fast. He's really fast, but he wasn't alone for this race. Like he oh. and Shen Jingsheng, the uh, the Chinese athlete for the North Face, um, who was actually fourth at Western States earlier <clears throat> this summer and fourth here actually at CCC in 2022, um, bumped up to second here in a pretty like this just like cements, I think, him putting together a really exceptionally powerful season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that after a fourth at States is so yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, super, super impressive. There's this really emotional hug between him and Jason Coop at the mm. finish line. And it's just like Coop like literally picks him up, basically. <laughs> like it's really, it's really, really cute. Just bear hug him at the finish. Um, his wife was at the finish, and then his toddler. And his toddler had some like serious baby swag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. loving it. Was loving it. I at love the all these line. dads. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see that like there's a place in sport for for families and parents and ageless wonders and up and coming rookies, et cetera. And then we mentioned Dakota Jones earlier. He held on to third place hmm. because Boulder, Boulder Bud, yeah. Boulder, Boulder Homie, John Ray was uh chomping at the bit to to reel him in. And Dakota put on like a final kind of push up to La Flagere to to hold hold him off and uh managed to claw his way to a third place finish he actually thought at one point in time that he was like i thought i was gonna end up outside the top 10 like i felt so bad out of Valerine. i thought my race was over i thought i was gonna get passed by everyone and he surprised himself actually when he made it to the finish line still in third place mm-hmm. honestly like that i think that was also really cool because john was another one of those guys who did the i mean he's he's a personal friend of mine so maybe i'm biased but like he did the western states ccc um double and didn't have like the best western states like pretty solid i think he was like 14th um but like to see him have another good race here it makes me like i know doing western states and utmb is like a really crazy double but like western states and ccc is still hard but maybe that's seems like a little bit more um doable since ccc is still so like runnable and um like fast compared to um UTMB, it's hard for me to say that yeah, when people are still finishing fast. In 20, <laughs> fast like less race. than 20 hours, but whatever. Well, no, but... I get the big feet. I mean, I know yeah. people do it, but it's just like, that is just I know. massive. It's I know. hard. 
easier, but like, come on. Oh yeah. Know. But and I mean, then, yeah. And then Dakota, Dakota has technically like tentatively taken that ticket. Um, mm-hmm. but he was like, oh, do I have to go to Western States? Um, <laughs> so it rolled on to John and John would love that ticket. So we'll see kind of what happens there mm-hmm. if it rolls to John Ray or not. Dakota. Um, but yeah, that is kind of the, yeah, come on, Dakota. Do you want it or not? Let's go. Um, but yeah, it was really exciting on the women's side. Engville Casperson. What a freaking day. Uh, Hillary, you probably know Engveld from like back in the skyrunning days, yeah? Yeah, and that's like honestly, yeah. that was gosh, I keep on saying, oh, my favorite moment. This is another favorite moment of like the whole UTMB weekend is because I know, and she had like not a very good race last year at CCC. So it's so cool. Yeah, she finished 30th last year. Mm-hmm. And she just had like something just, like that. Like she finished way back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was like stomach issues or just like, I don't know, like just a combination of just a bad day. But she like, outran her fitness last year. <laughs> she was like finishing up like she yeah no yeah. she like no it was, it was one of those things where she like she showed up last year like not fit enough for her talent essentially like you know how mm-hmm. that is when you're like you show up to a race where it's like you're not quite ready maybe for a 50 mile but you're 50k fit mm-hmm. um, and you've been a talented athlete for a long time mm-hmm. and you so you go out hard because it's how you race yeah. and then all of a sudden you like are at 50k and you're like oh no i've made a big mistake that was engveld last year in which like she had just finished up the year before she'd finished up medical exams. Um, she's a physician in Norway. Um, this like last year she was still like, she was starting rotations as like a kind of first year junior doctor. It's like a ton of stress and a ton of chaos in her life. And mm-hmm. so she like finally is like able to put together training this year in a big way. Um, and that was, I think like the, the magic that needed to happen. And uh, she was kind of sick during UTMB week. She wasn't sure if she was even going to start on Friday on Friday morning and like to see her win was just like so freaking cool honestly I don't know if you feel this way but sometimes I think again if it's an if it's not a bad sickness I think sometimes that is the key to success is like it takes some of your pressure off all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like, well I'm kind of sick so I don't know how it's gonna go and then like you just freaking crush it like I've had a race mm-hmm. around that time before and it just was like no expectation and you just run out of your mind because you have no mm-hmm. like restriction. <laughs> Well, yeah. And like, I think that's also what happened to me with Katie Shy too. She literally had nothing to lose. Like, you know, she could just like run how she wanted because she, you know, it's kind of like a bonus. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think and also um, with Ingville, that's like I've raced with her for the Skyrunning series, like from when I first started getting into the sport, you know, 10 years ago. And so it's been really cool to see her like, you know, crush it at the shorter distance races. Cause she was actually rating, right. Racing shorter distances than me. Cause I was in the kind of the 50 K ultra and she was racing the, like the shorter distances, like the more sky uh, series, like the golden trail, like that kind of distance that they do now. Um, and like very successful. And then it's been really cool to see her, um, go up in distance as she's kind of, you know, gotten, um, I think I'm like maybe more time to train now. She's done with medical school and she's like actually like, you know, working as a physician. Um, but yeah, that was really cool to see her like run to her potential. Cause she's so, she's so talented. And then like, yeah, like the cool, like you, the Adidas team like showed up. It was really cool to see like how um, supportive they were of one another. And like Emily Hoggard finishing second behind her. It was, that was really cool. Yeah. And just to add that Engveld will be taking that golden ticket to come to Western States. I saw that. <laughs> in June and she's so, so excited. Uh, but yeah, Emily Hoggood, talk about Indigenous Terex 1-2, <laughs> crushing the Western States CCC double, which is insane. Mm-hmm. So insane. And ran a stellar race, like so perfectly paced, like started hammering at the end and just, yeah, picked up a couple mm-hmm. plates. 
Yeah, kept moving up. There's at one point in time where there were like four yeah. Emilys in the top 10. <laughs> Emily Forsberg, Emily Hoggood, Emily Schmitz, and Emily Svanivas. Mm-hmm. I was like, the next person in is going to be an Emily. I just don't know which one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she ran a stellar, stellar race. And then the star of the day might have been, even though she didn't win, Helen Mino Faulkner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a freaking year. Yeah. She's going to be up there in the ultra runner of the year category, I think. I think so. I mean, yeah, her like, other wins stellar. in the U.S. races have been phenomenal as well and really solid times. Um, and you put this in here. I didn't know this, but she turned down her golden ticket, which like, obviously I don't know her real reasoning, but I'm so proud that she has the, because she didn't want to do it. Apparently she has the ability to turn. No, it. she, she literally, like, she's so literally proud. on the podium. They kept trying to hand it to her and she kept trying to push it away. <laughs> and then Dakota was like, just hold it. Just hold it. You don't have to take it. Just hold ticket though. Like you don't have to accept it. Just, just hold it for the picture. And she like was panicking thinking that if she like held it, that meant that she was taking it. Um, <laughs> Which yeah. is so, so cute. But no, oh, she paced wow. Esther yeah. Chillog and she'll be back to pace again this oh, year as well. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I feel like we've all been there. It's like, I'm so glad, glad that she's, she's so young in the sport and to even, you know, not take it right now is so smart. Cause like, you don't want to do a hundred if you don't want to, even in the slightest. So proud of you, Helen. <laughs> yeah. Super, super cool. So that ticket will, is currently rolled to Hao Ha, who's the Vietnamese athlete who ran a stellar race and finished fourth place. According mm-hmm. to Esther Chillog, likelihood of ever being able to take that ticket is kind of slim just because it's a lot to get to western states and so if that's the case it'll roll to emily schmitz in fifth and emily is excited to potentially accept that ticket so brava very cool yeah and it looked like haha i don't know if i'm saying that correctly was like one of the first vietnamese athletes to place that high in oh for sure right she was so emotional it was so cute at the end like i was so proud for her yeah, she ran a phenomenal race. She's she's got like a six year old. She's from like a very small like farm village, like farming village in Vietnam. Vietnam didn't find running until later in life. Like it, the whole story, very cool. All right, with big dog <laughs> doing UTMB. Big dogs got it, including <laughs> Courtney DeWalter. Oh my god, <laughs> who wants to say something reflective on Courtney's summer? I mean, I don't know if I could say anything reflective, but it's just like, it's so big and it's just so impressive. And um, I just love how she approached the whole thing, I think, with like curiosity, right? Like seeing, oh, can I, can I do this? Like, I'm intrigued to see how my body will hold up. I'm intrigued to see if I can do it. And um, I think it was kind of also almost approaching it with this, like nothing to lose thing and just how fast she ran all of these races is just insane. Yeah. yeah. I hope it's downtime. Yeah. I, I hope so too. A nice long vacation. <laughs> yeah. And we also got to see a glimpse of her being human though, too, right? Totally. Yeah. She was struggling towards the end, which like make, made sense to me. Um, but she kept going. And I feel like that is just like in my mind, that is how she was able to do this is like the amount of mental stamina and fortitude this woman has is just next level. Obviously her fitness is also super high, but like, I cannot imagine how her brain must work. It is just so impressive. Cause I bet most of us, we would feel how she felt and we would probably crawl up in a little ball and cry. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, You're only buoyed along by like maybe a million supporters on the side of the trail, but yeah, I hope you're taking a long, long vacation, Courtney. (laughs) Cause you had a, Insane year, right? Bandera win course record. Trans Grand Canaria win course record. Western States win course record. Hard Rock win course record. UTMB win. Next level. It's I don't know. Sit on, the, sit on the couch, kid. Ron James of trail running. 
yeah, just <laughs> just absolutely stellar, paving the way for the women's field, paving the way for the sport, just baffling, right? Absolutely mm-hmm. baffling. Um, so our hats off to Courtney, I think, is what we say there. Yeah. Yeah. Something, Something like that. that. But the the race behind her was super, super interesting. It was a it was mm-hmm. a three-way race for two spots for much of the much of the back half of the race. And a notable absent was that Manon Bohard fell. And I think if she hadn't fallen and had to drop, um, she would have been in that mix as well. And like she's scary, I think. I think I think Manon Bohard, this French Hoka athlete, is like the future. Um, and we didn't get to see that unfortunately this year. Um, she fell and thought she tore her ACL. She did not tear her ACL, but it really freaked her out. Um, she was covered in like mud from head to toe at one point. It's like that was very, very stressful for her, I think. So would have been even more insane, I think, to have her in this mix. But the the mix of women behind Courtney, they duked it out. The the that did not it was not a set one, two, three for a very long time. And that that charge was eventually led by Katharina Hartmut. German athlete, debut at UTMB, not her first 100, but a de- debut at UTMB, was second at Worlds in Austria this year, was fourth at Trans Grand Canaria this year, won the Iger 101K this year, only 28 years old, um, and ran a really, really smart race to finish only 40 minutes behind Courtney. And all she wanted from the race to, was was to run a sub-25. Like, what the <laughs> heck? So cool. Yeah. And honestly, like, I was thinking like if there was another 10k or so in the race it would have been it would have been tricky to see who would have won mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> katrina had if there was less daylight right like i think if she was definitely moving faster than courtney from lafleur down in a big way courtney was really struggling to run downhills at all at that point um but just wasn't wasn't able to close but she did like i think it went from like 62 minutes to like 40 minutes by like the finish minutes. line yeah. yeah so not easy but then behind her i think the the other future of our sport the french women blondine Oh my goodness. Hmm. Like her That's first hundred mile and UTMB debut. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I know like you were talking about this earlier where some people like aren't quite fit enough for the distance. I had a thought when she started, like, I don't know if she's gonna be able to hold this because she started off hot, right? She started off hmm. with court running like she has in her other races that she's crushed, like shorter races when she won OCC, CCC, but she freaking held it and rallied and like crushed it. It was just so cool to see. Yeah, and at one point in time, it sounds like in her post-race interview that she left gloves at an aid station and went back like a kilometer or something to get oh, them. I don't know. It was confusing. But it's and she was just so calm about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Remember, she's one OCC, she's one CCC, third at UTMB. She's a person that I'm sure will come back to UTMB in 2024. And that terrifies me <laughs> because she's learned a lot from this experience and like isn't running into the unknown anymore. And that's bonkers or bananas or whatever term I'm going to use to describe it. And she was, she did not have an easy third because she had to go chase down after Valor scene, Chinese athlete, um, Shang Fuzhou, who put on a great, great early race. She, all these women ran as high as second place over the course of the day. Um, Fuzhou ended up finishing fourth ultimately, but Blondine had to catch her after Valor scene. So it's like that, that, that position was not finalized until La Flagere essentially. Yeah, it was crazy. So cool. Yeah. These races, man, they're still racing at mile 90. I know. It's, it's stupid. I don't want to finish in a sprint at a hundred mile race. You <laughs> you you cut that nonsense out. I, I did that wanna, last I don't want to sprint any of you. I did yeah, that last hard. year. I had to like sprint. I, I think I like ran like a like a 630 last half mile 
to like in the streets of Chamonix to like pass this last girl. <laughs> but I wasn't racing for a podium. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, Black Canyon, I duked it out with Heather till mile six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, races are getting more and more competitive and they're staying competitive longer and longer. So it's really it's not a battle of attrition anymore. Guys and gals, <laughs> it's uh it's on from the beginning to the end. I guess we can move to the men's race, last but not least, <laughs> clearly. Um, man, Jim, you finally did it, kid. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Yeah. And it's just so proud to like or so cool to see his confidence and his composure, right? Like he mm. stayed so calm. And it looked like, I mean, when I saw him ahead of Champagne Lock, I was like, oh no, Jim's like, this is not his day. Like, crap. Mm. Like he's he's fallen back for sure. Jermon caught him. And that kind of seemed to like wake him up a little bit or something. Mm. Like it made him be like, okay, like, am I in this or not? And something happened at Champagne Lock where he turned it around. I don't think it was a tactic. I don't think it was like a, I'm going to sit pretty for 50, you know, until Champagne Lock and then I'm going to go. It was like, he looked bad heading into Champagne Lock mm-hmm. and it's like he woke up all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It also looked like him and Francois. So it's, like it was combo. impressive. Right. Oh like my goodness. We could hear it. He said, he said, just, he was like, just run this in. Like you've got this. Essentially, <laughs> he was like, "You've got this. Just bring it home," type of thing. Like it was so. And then they like did like the broiest like yeah. <laughs> like high five hug situation you've ever seen. I was like, "Dang, Francois in your like in your court at Valerie or Triant or wherever that was, just being like, you got this, kid. Bring it home.' Like, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like better bring it. And also, Francois was in the finish line, finishing shoot to hug Courtney to Walter at the finish, and that was also. Mm-hmm. super special but there was a moment where i thought zach miller might take it you guys me too me too and i was like oh my god zach miller is going to be the first american male to win utmb and i was like mm-hmm. that is not what anyone predicted Mm-mm. and mm-hmm. it was like and i was i was excited i mean i'm excited for both of them i would have been just as happy for either one of them to win i'm not a gym hater or anything like that but like I thought Zach might take it for a second. And I was like, oh, what is that going to do to Jim Walmsley if Zach Miller is the first American man to win UTMB? You know, yeah, it was because like I kind of thought that too, because like watching Jim race UTMB like year after year, he's faded. Like after, I mean, notoriously, he like he's dropped in that section between Cormier to um, Col de Grand Ferret. Like he's he's not had good sections. I think he had like a low moment, but like I think it was cool to see this year of him like actually like digging deep instead of just kind of succumbing to that to that feeling like he'd really fight for it. So maybe like that thought of like maybe Zach Miller potentially taking it was enough to kind of get him over it. But yeah, I was like, I thought that Zach was going to like run away with it just because Zach races so ferociously. It's like yeah. so inspiring. <laughs> and people were like, what is he doing? And I'm like, that's just Zach Miller. Exactly like he's not, he's not, he's not it playing also, it up. Like this is just how Zach yeah. races. Yeah, he always looks like that. And I also like, I think it, it's, it's funny that like a lot of people were like, what is he doing? Who's Zach? Why is he, how's he leading? He's the underdog. And like, he's finished higher than Jim. At yeah. So it's like, yeah. no, he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, he's not Jim, but he's pretty phenomenal and he's done really well here before. So yeah, just funny. But like, I'm with you. He definitely felt more like an underdog, but then when mm-hmm. you think about it, you're like, no, he's not an underdog. Like he's no. well-equipped to do this. I mean, he's yeah, won CCC, like, you exactly. know, like he's, yeah. yeah, like he's, he's done well at UTMB races. So if if you had to pick anyone, right. Like, I mean, yeah, I, 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 yeah like, or that, <laughs> or Tim Tolison, but like, he came into this race, like a little bit like that, like, like, like 
with a knee injury and not sure if he'd be able to, to do it. So it was like, kind of, yeah, it was, it was uh, so cool. Yeah. And that hog at the finish line that brought it all home for me. The and point, the point, <laughs> the point I didn't, I saw the photo. That's I, so didn't know, good. I didn't know what it was. Oh, it was so I saw good. the video and I was like, Oh my God, he's and they go in for that bro hug, the brotatoes coming through here. And it was just like, wow. Like, yeah. and there was, there was a moment, it was, a, I think a post-race interview where Jim said he didn't say this to Zach apparently, but he thought it during the race in which he's like, I'm really hurting right now. And I want to tell Zach, like, if it's not me, I hope it's you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, there's this competitor camaraderie out there that I just think is really stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they went one, two. It's the first time ever for both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super, super cool. And then German talking about like the nicest, the nicest Mm -hmm. boy to lead the French charge because it was literally like France was, I think three, four, five, six. And then Tyler. And then I think another French guy and then Hannes and then another French guy. So it was like German led the French charge to the finish line. Um, Obviously I feel like we can do this because we do this to women all the time. It's Katie, Katie Shad's boyfriend, German. Um, I feel like people do that to women all the time, right? Where they're like, oh, so-and-so's wife, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And it's like, is that pertinent to this conversation? So <laughs> we'll just, we'll do that just for this one, this one take with German uh, and Katie. But yeah, a third, a podium, like that was a super solid battle. And I think that he like put himself in a good position all day long and it's just a super consistent racer. And he definitely could win this race at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, super yeah. Crazy. yeah. So it was, it was good. Uh, I guess the other kind of big takeaway from that men's top ten <clears throat> in fifth place, Ludo freaking Pomeray, mm-hmm. the ageless wonder, forty eight years old, Whoa. looked like death. Looked like death at Cormier. <laughs> like looked on, looked like death in running shoes at Cormier. Had faded way back in the field. Yeah, super far back in the field. And he ran his way to fifth place. Like, are you kidding me? And it was an hour faster than the time he ran when he won seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So cool. But speaking of people who rallied from the back, like Tyler Green, man, seventh place, third American, Mm -hmm. was like outside the top 20 for quite some time. And then just in true Tyler fashion, just slowly drop the hammer and pick people off all the way to Chamonix. Like he went from eighth to seventh in the last, what, five, 10 K? Yeah, so, no, he oh like overtook God. Hannes and the, like the final, like from La Flagere, I think. And then Hannes just looked so happy at the finish line. I was like, probably one of the best German performances ever in this <laughs> race outside of Katharina, who uh, also German took second in the women's race. Mm-hmm. But yeah, three American men in the top 10, three American women in the top 10, including Sabrina Stanley and Leah Yingling. And then uh, I guess Leo was eighth, Sabrina was ninth, and then four North American women in the top ten with Elsa McDonald scoring a top ten finish as well. On the men's side, obviously, it was very much a, a U.S. v. France battle with one German in the mix. On the women's side, there were eight nations represented in the top ten: USA, Germany, France, China, Spain, Poland, Canada, and Australia made up the women's top ten, um, which is just. That's really cool. Like what an, what an interesting international field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, I mean, I, I'm always so impressed with Tyler Green's ability to like 
just close at the end. Yeah. Like he's done this so many times at like Western. <laughs> just like that's yeah. someone who I don't want behind me in a no. race. <laughs> yeah. No, no Tyler Green chasing any of us, thankfully. Oh, <laughs> and and yeah, and I think you know we're biased too. Tyler is a friend of all of ours who we adore yeah. immensely. So we can talk about Tyler all day long. I wanted to give <laughs> some other like kind of notable things from just the week in general. So last year there were no American men in the top 10 of OCC or CCC. Okay. Hmm. This year we had one American male and fifth in OCC. That was Jeshwin Small. Nick Handle just missed, missed it, finishing 11th. And then there were four American men in CCC with Dakota, John Ray, Drew Holman, and Seth Ruling. Really, really cool to see. So no, no American men in the top 10 last year in either of those races. Hmm. A bunch more in this year. And the U.S. women stormed CCC once again with obviously Helen you know, Faulkner in third, Emily Schmitz in fifth, Emily Svon Avis made the top 10, as well as Tara Fraga. Um, like after Jess missing the top 10 last year, Hannah Allgood just missed the top 10 with an 11th. And then uh, since we got so many Canadian listeners, listeners, Arden, Arden Young snagged 10th and that was super cool to see. So once again, kind of cracking the code there, uh, OCC women had a bunch of bad luck overwhelmingly. Um, obviously Katie Scheid pulled off a really great day, but we had uh, a number of women succumb to the stomach bug that was going around Chamonix. Because it is a cruise ship during race week. And Danny Moreno, Jen Lichter, MK Sullivan, all um, favorites to be probably in the top five, I would say, this year. Jen Lichter was my pick for the win, um, et cetera. They all um, were struck down by a pretty nasty GI bug and mm-hmm. had to drop between uh, Triant. I think Danny made it to Triant, but felt horrible. And the other two dropped at Col de Bohm and actually had to ride like the chairlift down, um, to get, get off the course essentially. So yeah, it was, yeah, just kind of a wild, a wild experience to, to watch, but really just like impressive USA. I know we're not always us centric. We're a little us. Okay. We're very us centric generally speaking, but, uh, got to give a shout out to our friends and just really impressive to see the change in performances kind of year to year when it comes to who's showing up to these races and what's happening on that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good show. I guess the other, mm-hmm. I guess the, like the final shout out, um, I talked to three adaptive athletes in the studio this week. Um, Zach, Troy and Amy all made into the studio. Um, Zach did MCC, I think, and had to run away from people trying to cut his bib in Argentier, but he got that finish. Um, Troy finished OCC. Um, he's really cool. He's like in the Australian Basketball Hall of Fame. Super tall, funny Aussie guy. Um, and then uh, Amy, unfortunately, had to withdraw for, or she she got timed out at La Foulie, um in UTMB. But she is super cool and someone that I think we should definitely have on the podcast. Her story is super fascinating. That's Amy Palermo winters, I think I'm going to get that hyphenation wrong, but really, really cool story. Super interesting woman. She's one, she's run, she's not one, she's run bad water, um, et cetera. Like she's just a really cool woman and a cool athlete, but yeah, she got unfortunately timed out at La Foulie, um, but super, super impressive group of athletes working the way to the start line as adaptive athletes and kind of trying to ask UTMB to make some different considerations for those athletes so that they can be better represented within the sport and at these races that are essentially our championship. So I think that that is, it's a cool initiative to follow along with, but um, it was fun to talk to them in studio. We got to talk about our friend, Peter Presgrove um, with Troy and Zach. Um, So yeah, it was just, it was fun to see. Um, Okay. Are we ready to society slam? Slamming, slamming, slamming Hill. You, uh, 
you dropped some of these in. Looks mm-hmm. like there might be a, a question in the. F- we are. Oh yeah, done. there's there's one. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were we were done because that was a okay. that's a good one. Okay, I'll um, just take that one out. Okay, but yeah, why don't we read that first one that's got the question in it, and we'll go from there. Cool. Me or you? You. Oh, oh sorry. You read it. You you, <laughs> you put it in there. I was like, huh? Okay, so, you got you to do the slamming. Here we go. Hi, ladies. I'm currently listening to your new episode talking about periods. Ooh, our favorite. Um, <laughs> I know you mentioned body stress causing cycles to be longer. Um, I'm going to say in parentheses or shorter. Um, I found sometime uh, sometime races will trigger my period to arrive early. Any anywhere from three to four days up to ten days early. Um, I'm curious if you know what this means and what's happening in our bodies when it comes early like this. Anywho, keep bringing us the awesome news and info. Your pod will forever be my favorite. Love trail society drop days. Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, Keely, do you have any, I've got some, I feel like there's anecdotal stuff about this, right? For sure. Like I think Mm -hmm. many of us have probably experienced this. Um, I feel like that's not that uncommon to have it come a little bit early ahead of a big race where you've got a taper per se. And then, um, come long like make your cycle longer after a big hard effort Mm. um i think happens to a lot of folks right where you go from like a 28 day cycle to a 35 day cycle or something after 100 or a big long effort is there any like substantiated evidence in the literature about periods coming early it's specifically anyway i'll link to this one study um but it basically is a range of plus or minus and so you know, if your cycle becomes early or late, those both can be indicators of unnecessary stress. It doesn't necessarily have to be longer to mean like, hey, this was some unnatural stress, etc. Yep. yep. So it could be shorter and don't just think because it's earlier, it means something else. It it typically will mean a similar thing. But like anything, if this is consistent and you continually have a very irregular cycle, you might just want to like go to a primary care physician, get some blood work done. And maybe see like if there's an underlying issue because, you know, prolonged oligomenorrhea where it's like very irregular cycles is not necessarily great for bone health and could lead to, you know, unnecessary injuries and stuff. And we just want you running at your best and running a lot more and not being injured. So if it continues to be like, you know, an issue, just seek a little bit more info. Um, all right. So our next society slam. Um, so hello, I hope you're doing well and having lovely adventurous summers. Thank you. Um, I love the podcast and I've listened to every episode. Please keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. I have a running related question. That'd be great. If you could answer, if you have time for the runs that we are all inevitably sometimes have to do on the road, what are your go-to road shoes? Um, thanks again. And lots of love. I'll just say Brooks because, uh, I've been, <laughs> I've been running in those, like, that was literally my first road marathon shoe. Um, it happens to be a sponsor, but yeah, exactly. Actually the Brooks, um, the Brooks goes for my first, uh, like road shoe for, for the marathon. But my favorite one now is like, is, um, the, adre- uh, the adrenaline, I believe. No, that's not, that's not the same. That's not the same one. Uh, there's so there's like a Brooks tempo road shoe that I love for like road workouts. Um, but yeah, how do you honestly, order your shoes, Bill? Do you just tell them I want that road shoe, that squishy one? Yeah, basically. Do you not like, know the like, like, excuse me, I want the squishy road shoe, please. 
I don't know what I'm wearing, but just give me that rose. They send me at least, they send me these and it's like, some of them are just like, I like, I like to say Franken shoes. Cause like my shoe, my feet can be kind of sensitive. So they'll like put a different upper with a different bottom. <laughs> um, the glycerin, this is the one that I love the Brooks glycerin. It's like super nice and just cushy. And it's like a really, it's like, it, it's like a very smooth upper. So it, like your foot just like fits, fits in there and it just feels so comfy. It feels like a slipper. Um, so that's my, those are my favorite go-to road shoes. <laughs> funny. Yeah. And we're, we're all sponsored. So we've got, we've got some biased opinions here. Um, I don't road running, but because I don't actually like, I can't run to trail from my house If I want to do something short and simple, or I'm running to the gym or I'm going to do actually just like a little workout on the bike path near me. Um, I really like the Audi Zero family. Again, I'm sponsored by Adidas, so I kind of have to, I'm contractually obligated to talk about Adidas shoes. Um, but no, the Audi, Audi Zero family in general is great. The Boston is a good trainer. Um, the Light Strike Foam is really nice. And I think it's a really reactive, light, fun road shoe. I can definitely tell the difference between running in a road shoe and a trail shoe on the road. And so I'd say if you're going to do road miles, it's nice to have a road shoe in your rotation i had to convince my husband of this and he's like seen that it's made a big difference in like when he's going out to do a road run versus going out on the trail to have to have a dedicated road shoe i think is a great idea yeah and again speaking from sponsorship so we're a little skewed here if you have questions about individual shoes you could shoot us individual questions i'm sure a lot of us have ran in other shoes but right now for me my two go-to road shoes one's the paradigm it's an ultra shoe so again it's zero drop so if you're not used to running zero drop, you might want to ease into it really slowly. Start by adding inserts, get it down, you know, from what you normally run in millimeter wise to zero. Don't jump straight to zero without doing any sort of transition. But the paradigm is my fave because it has like medial support and my ankles are trash. So I need the medial support now um, just because my all my medial tendons are just not happy. Um, and then my other one is not medial supported, but it's fast and it's the vanish tempo and it's like a it's a takedown off of their racing shoe and it's just like feels so cush and so responsive and it's just so so comfortable um and i wear that on trails too i even uh got a proto with some boa dials put on it and it's fire and mm-hmm. like it's a little bit squishy for trails but it sits on your foot so well now that it's like super fun so highly recommend the tempo too if you want like a fast shoe yeah i would say generally speaking from any brand like a step below their race shoe is a good place to go because it's going to be really snappy mm. and feel really nice. Um, but it's going to be um, a little bit more durable and a little bit more price point friendly. So I'd say look for that kind of step below their their race their race shoe, and you should be in a good a good family of shoes. He'll be taking part in an event that will have already happened once it comes out, but it's an mm-hmm. ongoing event. And I'm wondering if you can tell people a little bit about it if they are in the area and can make things happen. Yeah. So I'm for, yeah, I get like when this is published, my, my, um, kicking off of this, uh, this event will happen. It's basically an event happening in, um, Salt Lake city park, well, park city actually. Um, and it's, uh, for the trail ahead. Um, and it, I'm kicking off the, the first event, it's a speaker series. Um, and basically it's, it's really cool because it's focused on youth, um, Jared Campbell, who's like a, he's very active in the Salt Lake city area. Um, he, he's got two daughters. And it's my favorite thing to follow his Instagram and see him like take his daughters on these crazy adventures. And, um, 
I love that. And so now his daughters are old enough and he's like kicking off this, this series to kind of target um, young girls, especially, but just youth. Um, and it basically trying to share tools um, um, for endurance and, and how to handle adversity and how that can actually help create a mindset for determination. Um, and it can impact like our youth and how they can kind of take that um, into their adult lives and kind of use sport as a, as a means to, to demonstrate these, these attributes and these skills. Um, and so I'm, um, I, I'm basically going to be speaking on the concept of resilience. Um, so I'm doing this, um, they'll already have happened, but like Thursday, September 7th. And so kind of just keep a lookout for, um, it's in partnership with women of the Wasatch and Lululemon. So they've done some, you can follow that on Instagram and, see when the next speaker series are in your in the Salt Lake City area if you're over there. So um, I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to to do this. And it's like one of my favorite things to, um, to try to help influence uh, the next generation and especially young girls. So yeah, it's cool. Anything that supports women, the women of the Wasatch as well is a <laughs> A plus in our book. They're super cool running org over there. Yeah, But I think we're going to leave it at that for today. We hope that you enjoyed our UTMB recap and all of its insanity, um, all the highs and lows and inspiration that was felt out there. And uh, until next time, we'll see you out on the trail.